What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance. And of course, we're talking business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best foot forward and elevate. My man, Eric. Before we even introduce today's guest, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday Spotlight, my brother? And happy belated birthday, man. Hey, Corey. Hey, man. I do appreciate that, man. I'm sorry I was out uh, again last week. I was celebrating a birthday weekend, so I do appreciate the uh, warm wishes for that. But, man, check this out, man. My spotlight today is everyone who we all know. And this guy, he's a super producer. He's married to Alicia Keys. Hey, he's no other than, you guess, Twist Beats. And we all know him because of him being the super producer, but did you know Swiss Beats has, and this executive has stepped out into a quite unexpected venture? Man, this brother's got into camel racing. Now, after conducting extensive research and trusting the process, Swiss created his own camel racing team named Kasim Abu Mazar in the Middle East, became the first African-American and Western to make it happen. Now, according to Swiss Beats, he had this on his mind for a long time. He says his friends out there have teens, his friends' parents have teens, he has families in Dubai who have teens. Um, so he had the access to knowing what to look for and how to pick a fleet of understand the bloodline of camels and found the best trainers. He did his extensive research and was there for a month straight doing it. He had the heads up for a while, but didn't push the button until COVID really took over a few years ago. But it sounded big, amazing, a lot of work, but he just wanted to do it. So it feels like it came fast, but to him it was a long process. That's my spotlight for today, Mr. Swiss Beats. And before I let you go, I got a little nugget I want to share too. Someone's always said the grass is always green on the other side, but until you water your own, yours will be watered too. That's mm. my spotlight for today. You know, it's crazy you say that because I remember a text from my man Kalali Dog Bay. I saw um, a message on him from Facebook. It was a brother that wanted to get back in the game. He was married, but he wanted to get back out there. He said, oh, you think you want to get back out there? You don't want to get back out there. So you kind of made me think of that. But let's go on and introduce today's guest. We got Simon Dolbe on the line here. This brother from England. Y'all going to hear the accent. This brother, before I even put him on Black Men Sundays, I went through his process one hour a day for like a week, but we did like one one day a week to see what he's about. This brother is a certified financial planner. This brother, like I said, this brother from the UK, man, you're going to hear the accent. No, this brother got a business economics degree. This brother works with Northwestern Mutual. This brother lives in Aspen, man. You know, you know, a lot of us like to drive Aspens, but this brother lives in Aspen for real, like Aspen, Colorado. Not in the winter. This brother lives there. This brother went there. He told me he went in 2001 to play rugby and never left. So without further ado, my man, Simon Dogbay. Welcome to Black Man Sunday, brother. How you doing, man? I'm good, my man. Thank you for having me. 
Definitely, man. I mean, you coming to us from Aspen. I mean, we don't have guests from Medellin, Colombia. You coming from As from Aspen, Colorado, man. So let's dive right in. We're Black Men Sundays. We talking money talk right here. A lot of us want to build a financial plan. And I remember just, you know, in the time that I spent talking to you, the main thing that you kept saying was protecting your income is your most valuable asset. Break it down to the brothers on here. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you that, I mean, I ask people every day, what is your most important financial asset? And if they do own a home, then they'll tell me that. But if you break down your income, I mean, your income in your lifetime is way up in the seven figures. I mean, multiply your salary by however many years you've got left of working. And it is way, 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 way out there. And that is by far the most important thing to protect. You can afford to lose your home. You can afford to lose your entire balance sheet, your savings, everything. If you're working, you'll be able to bounce back and, and be okay. You can't afford to just not work and expect to be able to keep your house and keep your family and just keep the lifestyle that you've started. So protecting your income is the most important part and the first step of really financial planning and building that house from the foundation up. Gotcha. When we talk about building financial plans, you know, we talk about cash reserves, income growth, speculation. But what tips can you give Blackness Sundays, these brothers, on building a financial plan? I'd say the first and most important thing is knowing knowing your budget. I'm not talking about daily, but you need to know how much, first and foremost, what is your take-home pay every month? And then from that, work out that minimum need that you that you need to spend every month just to pay the mortgage or the rent, the groceries, the gas bill, that bare minimum you can live on. And then that difference is your disposable income. And that is the key to your the rest of your world. Because now you know your disposable income. You know how much you can afford to save for the, the, the house down payment, save to go on vacation, save for retirement, save to, for all these things, and how much you can have some fun with. So if you've got a disposable income of $500 a month, then you've got $500 a month that needs to be broken out between saving, vacation, going out with your friends, socializing, everything, buying clothes, whatever it is. If your disposable income is $2,000, $3,000, doesn't matter what it is, but that is the most important thing. Work out what it is and then pay yourself first. Gotcha. But, you know, for some brothers out there, like, listen, man, I thought I didn't pay my bills. I might have $50 less. So how can I pay myself first if I'm paying all these bills first? The key is obviously once you know your disposable income, then you're in a position of power to try and do something about it. If it's not enough for what you want to achieve, then it's either going to work and finding out what do I need to do to get on that next peg of the ladder? Is it a promotion? Is it a new job? Do I need to go back to school? Is it, do I need to get a second job? But the first thing is, is working out what your disposable income is and then trying to live below your means. Because if, again, if you're bringing in whatever you're bringing in a month, you need to know how much then you can actually spend on living so that you're not going, you're not living above your means. If you're bringing in $2,000 a month, then that's all you can spend. You can't spend $3,000 a month. If you bring in $10,000 a month, you can't spend $11,000 a month. It doesn't matter, but you've got to know that disposable income to really start. And then if it's not good enough for you, then make men's to kind of increase it. And, you know, we've had financial advisors on the line. We've had certified financial planners as well. And one thing that all of them has said is, you know, they have assets in the market. But then when I was talking to you, you said it's critical to have assets not in the market. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, when we look at the perfect portfolio that 
everyone should have or be building two. I mean, I th think about it like a, a chair with four legs, where the four-legged chair is more stable than any other chair. So, and that stability then the, in your financial planning world, you want money, if you're self-employed, you want money in your business. And that's usually going to be your, your primary income source. But then you want money in real estate, like we've heard many a time from the previous guests and lots of your other podcasts before. You want money in the stock market and you want money in insurance. Now all these four asset classes are going up and down at different times, different tax benefits, volatilities. So you're as bulletproof as we can make you. And even and each one of those four legs then have different kind of spiders out. And they're going to have multiple different assets below them. But starting with those four, then you've, you've got all the right pieces of the pie and just keep building and building and building. And the key is to start where you can start. If you can start at $50 a month, you start at $50 a month. But that's $50 a month that you're doing today. And then two years from now, it might be 100. It might be 200. It might be 1,000. Who knows? But you just build and build and build and build and build. And organically, you'll start hitting your goals. Hello, this is Commissioner Scott from Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for the info. I got a quick question. You talked about staying within your means and you know paying yourself how do you determine how much you're going to pay yourself from your disposable income? Some people never had money when they get a little bit of money. It's like, hey, man, I want to treat myself. But how do you make that determination of how far you should go with that? Yeah, I mean, we've all got goals. And I talk about when we we all buy, we've all got a spending weakness, right? We, we, be it socializing with friends, concerts, clothes, I don't know, man toys, whatever it is. We've all got stuff we like to kind of blow our money on. But before you can spend money on that, before you can pay the bartender, before you can pay the restaurant owner, before you can pay the clothing store, pay your future self first. And again, if it's $50 a month then, then or whatever it is, so that what's left after that, you can then really blow on whatever you want. And now you're enjoying that purchase a lot more, knowing that you're not stealing from your future self to have a little bit too much fun today. Because right now, a lot of us listening, a lot of us in the country, our future selves hate us. I mean, if we could go forward 10 years and talk to that guy and then have that guy talk to our, our present selves, imagine what they would tell us. It, it could be as simple as, hey, last night you spent 100 bucks on the bar tab. What if you just spent 50 bucks and put 50 bucks in an account so that me, future self, could have a little bit more later and I'm not having to work as hard as I am right now? Thanks for that, sir. You got one more follow-up question, Commissioner Scott again. So a lot of young people, especially when they get out of college, uh, they tend to get in a lot of debt, credit card debt. You got any general advice for young people staying out of debt and just getting good debt versus bad debt? So staying out of debt comes back to kind of knowing, living below your means. And it starts with knowing your income. So what it, you can't spend above your income. It's just, it's crucial, unless you've got a way to pay it back. If you are are in debt, and obviously lots of us do that um, for whatever purpose, because we have to, or because we've we've made a decision which wasn't the best, then it's working out a payback plan to be able to get out of debt. And it could be a combination of refinancing some of that to lower to lower debts, um, or it could be. I mean, I remember if you're talking about myself when I was younger, I remember getting a second job for a few months. And it was kind of easy to do a second job that I hated, knowing that it was just two months or three months to do it and then be able to pay off this debt and be debt-free and then go on with the rest of my life. So when we talk about insurance, a lot of brothers don't really have insurance. So 
talk a little bit about uh, disability insurance and some uh, retirement income objectives. Yeah, so with insurance, I'll say insurance is a law of large numbers, right? Generally, most people do not like insurance. And the way insurance works, it being the law of large numbers, we're all gonna pay into something to cover our car or our house or our health, or, but then only a small percentage of the population actually claim on it. And then when you do claim on it, you are the happiest man ever that you actually had the insurance in the first place to cover yourself. So you won't, but you only want to insure things that are catastrophic for you to lose. If you can self-insure a lot of the times and do that, and you're not wasting money on quote unquote, wasting money on insurance premiums. But if this thing that you're insuring would be catastrophic financially for you to lose, then you need to look at um, actually purchasing insurance. When we talk about disability, then it is now protecting your most important financial asset, which is your income. And if you liken it to, I mean, you liken the price to like car insurance, for example, we all, I mean, legally we have to have car insurance, but if you imagine car insurance or whatever premium we're paying to cover, I don't know, a $20,000 car. In reality, I mean, that car could blow up tomorrow. As long as we're working again, we could bounce back and buy another car. As that same premium you're putting to your car insurance, now insuring your income, which is again, high six figures for a lot of people in the seven figures when you look at a lifetime of income for the for the price of car insurance then i mean it's a no-brainer this commissioner scotty i got another one so uh if you could share with us what is a big financial mistake that you may have made when you was younger and uh you know what did you do differently as you got older <laughs> i would say not starting to save for my future self early enough because I will tell you, I mean, in saving, investing, it's exactly like just starting to go to the gym or picking up a new skill or going on a diet. Whenever you start it, you're going to wish you'd started earlier. But you can't. You can't start yesterday. All you can do is start today. So everyone listening, start today. It doesn't matter what it is. You start with what you can and you build and you build and you build and you build. I mean, I think about the amount of money I wasted when I was young, again, because I wasn't paying myself first. And then the position I would have been in now, if again, if I'd have just taken an extra, again, rather than spending 100% of my disposable income with my friends, if I'd have just spent even 90% of that, I'm not going to miss that additional 10%. It doesn't, didn't change my lifestyle back then, but that 10% compounded by 20 years is a lot of extra money that I, I would have realized from doing nothing. That's excellent advice. I appreciate that. And uh, I got one more follow-up, Corey. So this is generational wealth show, right? What can a parent do right now, not to necessarily pay themselves, but to pay their kids for the future? What type of accounts could be set up for that? So I always, I mean, taking care of yourself, I would say first is always primary. You got to make sure that you're not living on the breadline to be able to, to take care of the kids. And in the financial world, we actually talk about it like being, um, when you when you fly on an airplane and the air, air hostess says, if the oxygen mask comes down, put yourselves, put yours on first before you put on your kids. So we talk about the same thing in the financial world. Make sure you're good and steady and strong, and then you're in a strong position to help out your loved ones and everyone around you. You know, if you got kids, or if even if you have younger cousins, then maybe their parents aren't really in a situation or a mindset where they're trying to look out for the future financially for these little cousins, because that's the situation I have. I got about four or five little cousins. They're 
I know they're going to go to college or have uh, businesses. So I'm trying to figure out what could I do as a cousin or an uncle to help or put some money aside in like a 429 plan or something like that. So even though their parents may not be there for them like they should, when they come to big cuz later on when they 18, I got something for them, if that makes sense. So, I mean, there are different accounts for different reasons. Five, 529 accounts that you mentioned, for example, are great, but they're education-based. So it, it needs to be something in, your, in that position, something general that can be used for any purpose. So they're not going to get penalized and, and taxed a lot if they take it out for to buy a home or to start a business or they want to go to school or all these things. So then I would say that really leaves, I, mean, I can't get into specifics, but it would be it's something general or even like a Roth IRA, for example, which is technically a retirement account. But there are nuances where you can use that money before retirement. Um, to use it for your other purposes. So your specific one, I mean, I can't give a specific answer because I don't know your specific situation, right? But I would say something, the key is just to get started in something. And the key is to have it, that something grow that it's going to grow, grow more um, than the rate of inflation, ideally in the long term, and then have it be something which is generally purpose. So a general investment account, a Roth IRA, um, or there's many others, but something that can be used for a lot of things. With me, when I'm investing in the stock market, I'm looking at my averages, my dollar cost averages. I'm looking at, okay, I have 100 stocks, 100 shares of this one stock. I'm looking at my average price. But when I was speaking to you, you said it's not about your average. It's about it's about the sequence of returns. So we can get some clarity on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people are being wrongly trained to look at your average return in whatever it is that you're purchasing. But when it comes to long-term investing, if you remember back to, to grade school math, all our math teachers were teaching us about compounded interest, compound, compound, and compound, which is then it makes sense that your sequence of returns is more important. You can have a lower average return, um, but as long as your sequence is good, then you're going to net more money. And netting more money is obviously the, the name of the game here. I mean, if we look at average returns and the way that numbers work, you can have, I mean, let's look at something maybe over 10 years. And the two of us have been saving money or investing money for 10 years. And we've got every year, we've got different returns, but we could have the same average return over those 10 years because an average is an average, is an average. it's an average of 10 years of numbers in that situation. But whoever had the better sequence, for example, you got five on five on five on five on five and I got one year went up 10 and down two and another year went up 20 and whatever it is, the sequence is always going to win out. And the longer you go out, that better sequence of returns is going to beat the, the kind of the roller coaster, um, the average return. So again, sequence is the most important thing. Just you want to get on a plan, stick to it and then grow from there. Great information, man. You know, as I'm talking to you, man, you know, I definitely hear the London accent. But you got the dog bay last name, which is a Ghana, Ghanaian last name, man. So just, you know, let's we we talk about money, but let's talk about you a little bit. Like, you know, we, I understand you got the Aspen through rugby, but, you know, give us a little a little history about you, because I feel like you got you have a very interesting story, man. Yeah, I mean, I so my my dad is, as you just mentioned, from, from Ghana. Um, my mom is from Grenada. Um, they both immigrated to England as my dad after college, my mum to finish out her grade school and then kind of took it from there. So I'm first generation English. And what one of your guests was saying earlier, 
about immigrants coming over, we all see, I mean, immigrants are just driven, right? Um, and you, they feel this kind of burden to more so to do better than the previous generation. And we understand that our parents have done this, made this big sacrifice pretty much for us. And that's very much how, how I feel, how my, how my brother feels, how lots of people feel that we want to do better than the previous generation. We understand the gift that they've given us. So we want to go on and do that. And hope my kids feel the same way. I mean, unless you're um, Bezos's kids, <laughs> the rest of us want to do better than, our, better than our parents. So then it was staying, well, growing up in England. Um, and then after I graduated with my economics and finance degree, I wanted an excuse to travel. So I used rugby to kind of travel. Always, I thought I was going to go professional at home and then had some big injuries in my last year. So I couldn't even entertain the idea and I was kind of annoyed. So used rugby to kind of travel a little bit. Uh, the team out here were national champions for many, many years in a row. So being a foreigner, if you knew rugby in America, this is maybe one of the only teams you knew. So came out here to play and loved life. I mean, it's, I've got no qualms about my life. I've, things have worked out very well. As I'm looking at your bio, you went out there for rugby, went out to Aspen and you never went back. So let's talk about, I mean, Aspen is not a cheap place to live, you know? Do you know, you know, the thing that makes what I think about my past is, um, do you remember the piece, uh, the, that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith? And one of the early scenes is, I can't remember the, um, the main guy's name that Will Smith is playing, but he passes this skyscraper and he sees this wealthy guy come down the stairs or come out the building into his luxury car. And he asks, Will Smith's character asks the guy, like, basically, what do you do to be able to afford a car like this? And then the guy was like, oh, I work in this building. I, I mean, I'm a stock trader or something like that. And then that set him on his path. He's like, oh, that's what you need to do to get that, then I'm going to do that. And I kind of feel that was very similar to my thinking and how I grew up. I looked at when everyone was kind of picking degrees and that sort of thing. I knew what I was good at. I was always good at math, always good at kind of connecting with people and relationship building. And I was looking at, well, those skills, who are the people really doing big things out there? Who's making money? And it was the financial field. So I, I knew from an early age that I wanted to be in the financial field in some way. So then when I came here, I didn't mean to stay here this long, but I loved life and things are, things are very good. And then being out in Aspen, Colorado, there's a lot of wealth, as everybody knows. So it was just transferring the skills that I had and the career that I already knew I was going to go into, into building that out here. I can tell you that you have an international mindset and a global mindset when it comes to a lot of things. Living, you live in different countries. Uh, any advice on how some of our young folks can adapt the international mindsets, how they're looking at, how they're looking at their finances, how uh, they're looking at it from a macroeconomic standpoint to see how something in one country could affect what's going on in America and affect our pockets, right? So do you have any tips or, or can you explain your mindset of how you look at this from a global standpoint uh, when it comes to finances and uh, co financial components affecting what you're doing and what you're investing in? Yeah, I mean, I think about this a lot, actually, to be honest, because I happened to end up in this beautiful place and then build my life and my family out here. Um, but then where I grew up, it was nothing, nothing like, like this. Um, and it made me realize you can really, you can start your life wherever. I mean, it's a big world out there. 
it doesn't matter the situation you were born in. You can, it might be one town over, it might be one state over. I mean, obviously lots of people are married and with kids and it's hard to try kind of uproot at that point, but it's still doable. Those who are listening who are single, you can literally pick a place anywhere on the planet and go. I mean, it might be somewhere that you, it might be somewhere where your favorite football team is, or you've just seen your favorite show in this town looks nice, or you've read an article on it. And but you can you're not married to your current situation. Everything is changeable. So you could, and it might if, if you don't know too much about it, you might just go there for a weekend and check it out. Could I live here? It always sounded good. It looked good on TV. Now I'm here for a weekend or a month to try it out. And then do I think I could do it in reality? And then jobs are transferable. If, if you're working for a big corporation, then they've got companies all over the place. Many employers allow people to work from home, which means you can live anywhere. If you've got a transferable skill, then it might be, I mean, you might be, a, if you're a mechanic in one town, then obviously that's transferable to be a mechanic in another town. But you can pick your place. And that you're picking your place by either the income that you would make by living in that town, because every job has a different income according to where, where you are on, on, in the world doing it. It might be because of your hobbies. It might be because of know, there's a gazillion other things it could be, but you can really, you can map out the life that you want to live. You're not married to your current situation. Thanks for coming on Black Men Sunday, Simon. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I mean, you could have been anywhere in the world. I mean, you in Aspen, Colorado, doing it big brother out there you know what i mean from london with the ghana last name so i want to salute you i appreciate you i appreciate your information we got to make sure we pay ourselves first and we make sure we have a, a good financial plan so without that man you had a good time on black men sunday simon yeah i very much appreciate you having me i mean you're you're doing important things for all of us which is you know we're all on the same page here we've got to uplift and build us all together yeah, definitely, man. So with that said, thanks for coming on Black Men Sunday, Simon. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And we definitely appreciate your generational wealth information. And you guys have a good one. We out. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away.